Hear that? Is that America cheering or a sausage patty sizzling to perfection? It's time to cheer for Egg McMuffin and fresh cracked eggs at McDonald's. It's time to wake up to the aroma of freshly baked biscuits and treat yourself to a real honest-to-goodness morning meal. Breakfast, it's on at McDonald's. Now enjoy a large iced coffee for just two bucks and a breakfast sandwich to make a meal. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Hear that? Is that America cheering or a sausage patty? sizzling to perfection. It's time to cheer for Egg McMuffin and fresh cracked eggs at McDonald's. It's time to wake up to the aroma of freshly baked biscuits and treat yourself to a real honest-to-goodness morning meal. Breakfast, it's on at McDonald's. Now enjoy a large iced coffee for just two bucks and a breakfast sandwich to make a meal. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. The cannabis industry is evolving at a radical pace progressing toward the green peak. Each week, join Richard Zwicky, a cannabis visionary and entrepreneur, as he interviews experts from around the globe to discuss updates and evolutions in the world of cannabis. Let's make that climb together up the The green Green peak Peak. with your host, Richard Zwicky. All right. Well, thanks to everyone for joining us today. We're going to be uh, speaking with Martin Lee, who is the co-founder and director of Project CBD and also a renowned author uh, well, many books, but inc- one included is uh, Smoke Signals, which is really required reading for anybody in- uh, entering the industry as far as I'm concerned. Martin, thanks for joining us today. My pleasure, thank you. You know, it's funny as you were joining the line, you, uh, you made a comment about technology and said, oh, it's always a miracle when this uh, stuff works. And I thought that was, somewhat ironic because I get that a lot with people who are trying cannabis as a medication for the first time and how eye-opening <laughs> it is for them yeah. and the effect. And, mm. uh, you know, on a, on a personal matter, uh, my mother, who's going through some uh, difficulties right now, uh, started using some cannabis uh, tinctures to help her uh, deal with those things. And at the end of a week, she was concerned. She said, you know, I don't know if there's much of a difference. At the end of two weeks, she said to me, you know, I don't know if there's a lot much of a difference, but my circulation's much better. My sleep's much better. I have better movement. Like my flexibility is better than it's been in years. I, I don't know what's going on. Could this be related? And you must hear these mm-hmm. stories all the time. How has that shift in cannabis yes, culture actually, happened? Yeah, well, it's... Um... There's something about the plant that fundamentally resonates with human beings in terms of, of health. And, and uh, it, it, there's a lot of different reactions we get. Sometimes it's sort of a, you know, initial encounter, first time medicine, sort of a road to Damascus kind of uh, uh, conversion almost. Um, and then you see situations with these little children who are, who are so uh, you know, compromised by seizures and so forth, really these catastrophic illnesses. And, um, you see that they do better uh, with uh, CBD and so forth. And so I, I think that the overall, the, within the culture, within the whole planet, frankly, is there, it's a moment of receptivity for alternatives to pharmaceutical model medications. Um, and there's also something about cannabis that's just sort of cool, that has a sort of cachet in the culture that, uh, because it does have roots in the, in the counterculture and also in marginalized uh, societies in, in our country. So there's something about it that uh, 
you know, the timing is, is um, conspired these various factors to really make the moment propitious for a, a big leap forward for cannabis, but for CBD in particular, because it's sort of leading the way right now uh, in terms of people's uh, opinions shifting and so forth. But CBD is a really good door opener in that regard because it, it doesn't carry with it the baggage of intoxication and so forth. So, you know, sort of the last concerns people might have sort of fall away with CBD and a lot of people are, are willing to try it. Um, and with, with oftentimes with good results, but, but who knows, it's a mass experiment that's going on right now. Uh, a lot of people taking a lot of CBD and we, we don't really know where that's going, except the reports seem to be pretty good thus far overall. Yeah. And you know, it isn't in a way a mass experiment because we went through so many years of prohibition where the encyclopedic knowledge of generations was lost and we're, we're rebuilding it very quickly on the fly. And that's been, it's stunning to see. Um, on that. Uh, it's true. Part, um, the, yeah. yeah. As it's very true, you know, the, the humanity or humankind has had a long history with this plant going back before the written word. Um, and, and in a sense, you could say that the prohibition, um, you know, officially starting on the federal level in 1937, that that's almost an anomaly historically. That's a little blip in a much bigger history that, that that's sort of an aberrant moment in that, yeah, we are returning in some sense a, an effort to normalize our relationship with the plant and, and a lot to learn there. And we are really are learning on the fly because you know, we sort of lost that knowledge of how to work with this plant medicinally in, in large part because of the and yeah, uh, there's still a lot I to learn in some sense we're at the very beginning of that process absolutely and I mean it's so much to relearn is the way I think of it in many ways because I mean I've heard a, a couple of stunning numbers and I don't know if you have it at your fingertips but the percentage of medication that included a cannabinoid pre-37 is astonishing for how it was used yes. and how broadly very very widespread it was one of the main uh, components of the so-called patent medicines that were easily available for, for people in those days uh, up until the prohibition. That's, um, and, and it's really, you know, that's, there's many tragic aspects of prohibition, but the, the, the stunting of the medical knowledge and uh, an understanding of how to use the plant for therapeutic purposes, that that which has affected everybody um, is a real tragedy. Again, we're We've got a lot of lost time to make up for, but um, a lot's happening as well. It's, it's very interesting because so much of the modern science that we're seeing is is confirming the ancient lore and the ancient understanding of what to do with the plant. Uh, I, that, that's somehow comforting to me, actually. It, it does. And I mean, I know we've seen <clears throat> reports. Uh, recently, I saw one that they'd found traces of CBN from 3750 BC and uh, in receptacles that people had been using either to contain mm -hmm. the ashes China. or the store material. Yeah, in China. And mm -hmm. when we look at that with a, a plant and a material and the cannabinoids that come from it that have such a long history and obvious effectiveness, and now we're rebuilding that knowledge, you know, as an entrepreneur who's entering the space and looking at the opportunity to bring change to the world, bring relief to patients, um, beyond just advocating, there's also how, you know, a lot of times, you know, people forget the mistakes of history, but also can learn from history. For the entrepreneur who's trying to help people, how do you propose they look to the history to look to the future potential of, as an entrepreneur, what they can bring to market to help patients? 
There's a lot there, and it's a very, very complex topology, I would say, or the, the, the landscape that one is entering. It's very, very tricky. There's a lot of complications with, with cannabis that uh, make the businesses around cannabis have to deal with factors that don't apply to other businesses. And I mean, right now, in, in terms of drug development, let's say, and that's a legitimate thing to do with, with cannabis, to, to uh, that's one thing to do, not the be all and end all, but to seek seek to develop uh, pharmaceuticals or, or compounds uh, in the context of a pharmaceutical model. Uh, yet then you run into patents and, and uh, uh, that the landscape is already mined with patents. It's not a lot of room to maneuver there. And then you, maybe you can go for orphan drugs. It makes it easier to get approval. But you have to run the gauntlet of the uh, regulatory regime, the FDA in the United States, that, that um, really is not – it's – there's sort of an inherent bias against these developing medicines from uh, plants that, that, you know, make it difficult. And, and the, the problem is that the pharmaceutical model is privileged in a way, and, and, it, and it gets the nod when it comes to uh, official approval. And there's a lot that can be done with the plant itself and ways to work with it, compounds in it, um, that doesn't lend itself easily to that model. So in terms of developing medicines, um, that's a big challenge, but it's also a very exciting field and a lot opening up the medical science is really inspiring and amazing. Um, but uh, uh, translating that into business models is really a challenge, quite frankly. Uh, and yet there's a huge, huge market for, for cannabis and cannabis-related products and medicinal products. There's no doubt about it. This is a global market and it's opening up. Uh, but making that leap from the plant to the people it is it's tricky with business i think but there's a lot of opportunity as well oh it, it is extremely tricky and i think anybody who underestimates that is uh fooling themselves and challenging you know uh and we're dealing with patients who don't have options in many cases right and mm -hmm. one of my one of my associates at plana uh former physician dealt with a patient who went from 200 seizures a day to one every three months. Mm -hmm. That sort of thing you can't play around and test with. And, but when you have it, it's horrific that people would question, does this work? And mm -hmm. that market perception and that attitude is amazing to see and love. We're going to go to break in a few seconds. When we come back, what I'd love to do is talk about that market perception and the difference in the cannabis culture um, between the rec and the medical market, the adult use and medical market, and how they're going to come together in time with the perception around wellness and why people turn to rec in the absence of medical treatment. The Green Peak will climb back into your podcast player after we play some messages from our sponsors. Hey, take a look at this. They're selling smart pots. <laughs> they have pot that can make you smart? Where is it? Not that kind of pot. Smart pots are the best aeration container to grow your plants. Check this out. This is the original fabric container for faster producing healthier plants. They're made with a superior fabric that delivers high yields. Plus, smart pots are reusable and sustainable, so you can use them over and over again, no matter if you use them indoor or outdoor. That's very smart, but how good are they for the environment? Smart pots are BPA-free and lead-free, so you'll always be able to ensure a pure, clean grow, and they're 100% made in the U.S. Over 28 million smart pots have already been sold. 
old, so it seems like a smart investment. Look for smart pots in close to 2,000 garden centers throughout North America and ask for the original fabric container. Find a store near you or order yours online at smartpots.com. Doc Rob, the concierge for better living. Cannabis is just one of the many great plants that we have on this planet called Earth that we can use consciously and intelligently to improve our well-being. Take a real, raw, inside look at healthier living while sharing great ideas and improvements for a better quality of life. Learning to live and live well is a lifelong process. This is a journey. It could be you could be 80 years old or 8 years old. You can still learn something that's going to make tomorrow a little bit healthier, a little bit easier, a little bit happier, a little bit better. The Concierge for Better Living with Doc Rob. Only on CannabisRadio.com. Elevate your every day with that Shuggies feeling, with the sweet taste of Shuggies. Add a cup of Shuggies to your morning coffee. Ah, how sweet it is. Shuggies infuses cannabis and cane sugar to make it the perfect sweetener with benefits. Make your happy hour happier with a dunk of Shuggies in your drink. Order your Shuggies now at S-H-O-O-G-I-E-S dot com or find it in dispensaries throughout California. Whenever you crave a little sweet, pick up Shuggies, the sweet, sweet, take-anywhere treat. Climbing our way up, up, up to the Cannabis Summit of Success. Cannabis Radio is back with more of the Green Peak. All right, and we're back with Martin Lee, who uh, is one of the uh, most storied individuals in terms of telling the history of cannabis and the emergence of it as a modern industry once again. And uh, we were talking just before the break about uh, some of the attitude shifts and the shifts in cannabis culture uh, vis-a-vis medical and direct over the last decade or so, and even more rapidly in certain markets. Um, you know, plant-based medicine, Martin, carried us for thousands of years. And even things like penicillin, which are, you know, it's not plant-based, but it's still a, has its roots in natural medicine, is relatively recent. Cannabis was wiped out of the uh, conversation in the 30s and now has been making resurgence in Canada, we had legalization of the first shipments in uh, the early 2000s, but in the U.S., it's really been in the last decade or so that it's becoming much more common uh, in terms of distribution as a, and talked about as a medical resource. How do you see that shift in perception and the direction in which medical and where people have been self-medicating come together over the next decade? Well, I think, you know, on a cultural level, the, the culture has been ahead of the the, uh, the politicians on this. And, and, and still, we, we lag behind on, on appropriate rules and appropriate framework for, for um, harnessing the potential of, of cannabis as a medicine. We're still a little bit sort of betwixt and between um, uh, carrying the bags and a little bit still of reefer madness. And yet, uh, as I said, I think that the population as a whole has largely made its peace with cannabis and, and, and likes cannabis, and, 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 quite frankly, and, and, and appreciates that it has medical value. And there was already a pro-cannabis cultural shift, certainly in the United States, in North America, on the planet. Uh, and then CBD comes along 10 years ago, and that really gave a, a catalyzed what was already a, a pretty strong uh, pro-cannabis cultural shift, uh, one that was still mired in a lot of uh, you know, backward legislation and so forth, and we're, we're not past that entirely, certainly not in the United States. 
But um, yeah, there, there's great potential here because uh, what we know scientifically about the way CBD interacts with us on a biological or physiological level, interacts with mammals, interacts with any animal with a vertebrate, um, it, it's, it's very exciting and there's reason to believe that uh, this will continue to be um, a significant medicine in one form or another, or hopefully in many forms. Um, I think it's um, uh, CBD is here to stay, which means cannabis is here to stay, and, and hopefully it will, will um, uh, the door that CBD opens for a lot of people will, will lead to um, uh, a full measure of respect for the plan as a whole, ir irrespective of it's whether it's more THC or more CBD. Uh, I think that that's happening, um, but also the focus on CBD is a little bit of a cul-de-sac as well sometimes. So you, there, are many, there are parts of the United States that have legalized just CBD, which is a little bit absurd in a way, uh, but nonetheless, it's significant. And uh, in other states, it's, you have um, you know, legalization it's, it's for adult meaning, use, so you really have a, a mishmash. Oh, exactly. And that mishmash, I mean, it steps forward. And I think it's, you know, it's a bit of a head in the sand when people legalize or talk about legalizing just CBD without recognizing the fact that there are so many more cannabinoids, but also a lot of those are triggers to tell the body to use or how to use the other compounds. And we're only beginning to understand that. But as you're traveling around the globe and, you know, attending scientific and industry conferences, um, and you look not just at CBD, but as the plant as a whole, you know, where do you feel the real opportunity lies for uh, where people, the entrepreneur, but also people, what are they con considering investing in, in terms, and what are they, what do you think are the big opportunities people should be looking at? Because really you don't invest for today, you invest for 18 and 24 months out. You know, it's, I can speak in terms of what I sense some of the significant developments are on the medical science front that, mm -hmm. that potentially could bear fruit as products that could be brought to market. In, in that sense, I could speak about investment. And I think there's, uh, there's very significant areas that we're not really focusing on yet with, with, with cannabis that I think are going to be huge in, in the time frame that you're talking about. Uh, there's been a lot of focus on neurological illness, on, on seizure disorders, um, and other things with cannabis for pain and so forth. Uh, there's less focus on metabolic syndrome, diabetes, uh, uh, heart disease, these kinds of uh, often diet and lifestyle related conditions. And I think CBD rich cannabis, and by that I really mean cannabis that has a mix of both CBD and THC, those kinds of products, which I think uh, have the most potential therapeutically, I think are going to address a, a huge void right now in terms of uh, not a huge need when the World Health Organization is sort of predicting as astronomical numbers for obesity and, and, and diabetes and, uh, and, and in terms of uh, epidemic proportions, really. And I think this is where cannabis therapeutics um, has a great opportunity to uh, uh, address a real need that is not just 1% of the population with seizure disorders, and I'm not trying to make light of that, uh, but we're talking 30, 40% of people with, with metabolic disorder today, and, right. and it's getting worse because of processed food and so forth and you know that, yep. that that really needs to be addressed and it needs i think it but needs get, to come out of the i think it needs to be part of the discussion you know people people used to joke about people having the munchies after using cannabis but the reality is for some people who have eating disorders where they don't take in enough nutrition 
or people going through cancer treatment where there's lack of desire to eat, that's an opportunity yeah. that, you know, and for people who are going through uh, cancer treatments, you know, it's the lack of nutrition is a contributing factor to their demise when they don't make it. It's surviving the treatment that is so important. And all of a sudden that, you know, joke about getting the munchies is actually, that's a life, that's an opportunity. And we know also there's antidepressants for people with obesity. And mm-hmm. are we not, you know, when people don't talk about it and look at it, it's a disservice uh, to themselves, to their family and the community all around it. And, you know, on, on that, on a, you know, on a bit of a personal note, I know you've not just been breaking down doors for everybody who's falling behind you and entering the industry, but your family has gotten involved and, you know, your, your oh, wife yes. and your son. <laughs> Um, yes. are trailblazers in their own area. And I remember, you know, I, I remember speaking with an entrepreneur. I live in a smaller city, 300,000 people, if we really count in broad terms. And one entrepreneur told me his, his hope and desire was to build a successful business so his children have, didn't have to move away somewhere else on the planet to build their lives. You've done that in cannabis. How gratifying is that for you to see the opportunities for them in the future and where do you see that direction heading well i i wish my sons were were close to home but they're actually far you know hither and yon my, my son adrian who is involved as he's our chief science writer at project cbd um he's based in london right now um but yes that's really very gratifying actually um to be uh, I mean, my wife is also immersed in the cannabis industry she works with canacraft one of the leading companies in california um, is very involved in government relations and, and so forth. And, and um, uh, it's amazing what's going on. And, and uh, to, to have a view on that on the inside is quite interesting. Um, when you mentioned before about cachexia, you know, wasting syndrome and how valuable potentially cannabis as a medicine could be for that or has been, it was one of the you know, original impetuses for the rebirth of, of uh, medical cannabis in California, the, the wasting syndrome associated with AIDS. Uh, was a key factor in, in what led to the legalization of cannabis for therapeutic use in California in the mid-1990s. Um, and the puzzling thing is it does seem that the cannabis sort of regulates, if you will, that, that axis that involves both the lack of eating and overeating, obesity and cachexia, obesity and wasting syndrome, that cannabis is involved in both ends of that and could be effective for both conditions. Uh, that's one of the interesting things about uh, cannabis is an herb. It operates bi-directionally, if you will. It, it, it can uh, slim the waist of an obese person and it can give an appetite to a, uh, someone who's anorexic. And that's puzzling to people. And it's puzzling to regulators. They, that, that, that's not the way a drug usually works. Um, and, and again, that's one of the challenges and opportunities, uh, I think, in, in terms of um, cannabis as an area of um, uh, both business and medicine. Um, and uh, there's a lot we still don't understand. There's been studies that show when you compare uh, demographic populations of uh, people that don't use cannabis and that people who do consume cannabis, generally uh, the latter, the, the cannabis consumers have a, have a, a trimmer waistline uh, than non-cannabis consumers. And, and that sort of flies directly in the face of, of the con- assumptions behind the sort of the jokes about the munchies um, that you think of inspiring appetite is going to make it's going to lend itself to obesity, if anything. And yet the opposite seems to be a true number of studies. And the question is why? I'm not sure that scientists really have a clear answer to that. They're, they're, but but it, it, 
it underscores how there's so much to relearn and so much opportunity, I think, in terms of cannabis uh, being a useful medicine and hopefully one that's affordable to people all over the, the planet. It, you know, right now it's kind of expensive in, in states where medical cannabis is, is legal. Or CBD oils are kind of expensive. It is well, very the expensive abundance of them. Yeah, that the, it, is it would become more accessible. It should be. I mean, uh, one would hope that over time the product uh, continues to become more uh, available and affordable for for patients. And you know, in, in comparison to a lot of other other medicines, it's still incredibly inexpensive. And we talked, you know, as you were talking about the uh, you know the appetite effect and people's waistlines and. I think it goes beyond just looking at a direct one molecule, one compound, but it looks at the overall effect, like the effect on people's blood pressures and circulation and how that then has a, an effect on how they process food and uh, any co other compounds in their body. And I think, you know, that's part that the research will start uncovering. But you mentioned something as you were touching on there that I wanted to come back to and the varying results um, and the lack of information. And I know this is one that I've personally had to deal with a number of times. When we started getting involved in Peru, uh, one of the questions we had from, and I was in front of the Congressional Commission on Health down there before they even started passing the law, which we helped them with, um, there was the question about, you know, mothers had been arrested for making medication for their kids with epilepsy. And the president was an advocate for legalization because he said it was wrong parents were going through that and uh, the congress was but it doesn't work the same all the time and when we come back from uh, break in a moment what i'd like to do is touch on that uh, because that's a big question for people uh, patients but also entrepreneurs who are looking at how to address uh, patients needs in the market and we'll come back from break with martin lee in just a minute now the Green Peak will climb back into your podcast player after we play some messages from our sponsors. Welcome to Cannabis Confidential. I'm your host, Dr. Dina. We've got David Faustino on the line, Bud Bundy from Married with Children. Did you feel nervous being a celebrity walking into a weed store? I don't remember at all being like, ooh, I'm scared someone's going to take my picture here. What are they going to say? Bud Bundy smokes Bud? I mean, come on. <laughs> <laughs> it wouldn't be a big shocker. Hey, this is David Faustino, and I'm on Cannabis Confidential with my girl, Dr. Dina, on CannabisRadio.com. Oh, let the marijuana llama tell you something now About a game for your phone gonna make you say wow The game's about the game of growing cannabis for cash Grow the seeds, sell the bud, put the savings in the stash Little by little your empire grows large Put different celebrities inside your entourage You can choose to play with Snoop or me or Cheech and Chong Cypress Hill, Willie Nelson, Wiz Khalifa with a bong The name of the game is him pink, that's the point Download and play while you light yourself a joint Business of cannabis should be no crime. Hemp Inc. is even hot proved by the man who run high times. Oh yeah, get it on Android and I and iOS today. Marijuana Llama out. Got to tend to me on crops, you know. Money don't make itself. Hemp Inc. 
fetch your earbuds, and stay tuned for some pure pet care conversation. Hi, it's Angela Ardolino with It's a Dog's Life, and I have Hernanda Umana joining me. We're just both so fascinated with how much we've learned since we've been in this pet industry and creating an all-natural product. Because it's a dog's life. I am a huge fan of my guest today, Dr. Bob Goldstein. I have, in my experience, not seen many natural substances produce the results that CBD is producing in the animals that we are testing on. It's a Dog's Life with Angela Ardolino, only on Cannabis Radio. Climbing our way up, up, up to the Cannabis Summit of Success. Cannabis Radio is back with more of the Green Peak. All right, we're back with Martin Lee, uh, author of Smoke Signals and so many other uh, cornerstone documents in our community. And we're just chatting about the, uh, the varying results. And one of the, you know, one of the issues that people ask about is the fact that results vary from month to month for people. And that, you know, personally, my attitude towards that has been results will vary until you get a compliance standardized product that you know you're getting the same thing month after month. But also there's a degree of personalized medicine to it where it's not just CBD. It's the other compounds that together, uh, and some people call it the entourage effect and some people want to refer to it as other things, but it's a, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's parts of the whole plant. We each have different deficiencies that the plant helps address. What do you see, Martin? I mean, and how, how do people come across and cover that hurdle of, that those varying results and do they understand why it works one month and not the next if they're not taking the same plant? Um, it's an interesting question and there's so many factors involved here I think and and you pointed to the consistency or lack of consistency of, of available product you know that's certainly a factor also you know just people metabolize drugs differently metabolize plant compounds differently you metabolize THC and CBD differently um, you have some folks who, who um, for whatever reasons, um, don't metabolize THC very well. THC, tetrahydrocannabinol, the high causer, if you will, the intoxicating and also very medicinal component of the plant. Um, that, uh, that means for some people, they might not metabolize for whatever. It might be genetically based, but the, the, the enzymes that would ordinarily metabolize THC, like most others, don't do their job so it stays in the system longer and then people are very sensitive to THC and they don't like the experience. There's a certain percentage of people like that. It's a, it's a minority percentage and it actually varies according to racial and ethnic groups. Um, so, you know, it underscores the importance of having a, a, an array of different products as medicine because one thing is not going to work for everybody because not everybody has the same tolerance or the same inclination. Uh, in terms of blood pressure, you know, generally we have problems with high blood pressure in our, in our world, in our society. And cannabis speaks very, very well to that. It's, it's a, it has a hypotensive, a mild hypotensive effect. It lowers blood pressure. But if you suffer from low blood pressure, cannabis might not be your medicine uh, because it might be accentuating something in the wrong direction conceivably, you know. So it, it underscores, again, the importance of a wide range of uh, product options that can be derived from cannabis. Uh, there's many different strains or varietals of the plant itself, many different configurations of the terpenes that give the plant its smell that have each in themselves therapeutic value. And, you know, unique combinations of these things make for unique effects. Um, 
So I think it's, you know, what we're at the point now where we have both CBD and THC as options and remedies. They're the two major plant cannabinoids, these unique uh, compounds that are find, uh, found in the cannabis plant called cannabinoids. And there's a lot of work that can be done with THC and CBD, but it goes also quite, quite a ways beyond that in terms of what's possible uh, once you get, uh, but, but I think what that's all about for people is, is managing the psychoactivity. So uh, playing with the amounts of TA CBD and THC in a, in a given uh, remedy will, will uh, affect how psychoactive or intoxicating it is. The more CBD, oh. the less intoxicating. Um, Absolutely. And, you know, but when I look at it, and sorry to interrupt, but when I look at it, and you, know, you touched on a number of aspects there, but you know, there's therapeutic, there's cosmeceutical, there's wellness, there's prescription. They're all funding, you know, and other areas which are following are falling under the the medical um, medical side of the industry, and let's leave aside uh, the adult use completely for the for this purposes. But what are you seeing as people are entering this market and talking about and bringing products forward, bringing solutions forward for patients in need? What are the biggest things that the entrepreneur is overlooking in terms of bringing these products to market and understanding that? there needs to be a consistency and a compliance and the standardization. Where do you wish people would spend more time? Well, uh, it is helter skelter, certainly in the United States and globally, because there aren't consistent standards on things. So one standard that exists, you might say, is 0.3% THC as a marker between hemp and, and the other forms of cannabis. That seems to be not quite universally uh, accepted, but close to that. And Europe's a little bit less. So uh, th this is a, this is a problem. But th there's also a lack of consistency in regulations around um, uh, allowable limits for pesticide residue, solvent residue, uh, and, and this is a big problem. We're, we're seeing right now with the whole vaping, uh, or the lung lung injuries from from uh, use of vaping, uh, oftentimes with. Um, black market THC products, um, that um, what happens when you don't have regulations consistently that are enforced in a reasonable way. It, it, it's, um, it's almost like we have to make our own rules as best we can uh, on this. And, and that's a challenge. It, it, it's, it, a lot of it relies on, on the, um, right now, on basically the good intentions of the producer. It's a very little manufacturing oversight in the United States. And, and, and that's, that's unfortunate. Um, but, and that's uh, incredibly it, important, the point you were actually just making with regards to the vaping of the lack of standardized testing, because, you know, there's more, you know, I keep seeing reports about they're tracking down the source, but so much of it is improper storage of the materials and then it going into the black market or, you know, the, uh, where it's not tested or it's coming into the market, but it's counterfeit product that the product that's tested and is in the legal channel isn't the problem. It's the product that has come through the sides and you know the lot the the continued prohibition on it from a federal perspective is directly impacting patients, not just from the perspective of access to patient care, but actually causing a, a contaminated product to hit the market. And how do you see that shifting over the next few months as people begin to recognize that? It is, a, I think you could describe what's happening with the vaping situation is as collateral damage for prohibition. 
uh, it, it is a black market that thrives because of prohibition. And you have unethical actors here. We're looking at this very carefully at Project CBD. And it was four years ago, actually, we, we rang the alarm bells about flavoring agents, flavoring additives, and thinning and thickening agents being included in, in um, uh, vaping products, and that these were potentially very unhealthy, and that, that the safety data wasn't there to, to uh, confidently say this is this stuff's okay for people to be exposed to. So we've been ringing that bell for a while. We're, we're about to come out with a report on the role of the so-called synthetic cannabinoids in terms of the vaping deaths. It, it turns out that the um, the reports that we 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 that are in the medical uh, literature, at least in terms of some of the deaths, uh, the, the symptomology and so forth for the lung injuries that lead to death, is identical with the uh, data we're finding from synthetic cannabinoids. And these are cannabinoids that are made on the black market based on copying what's in science reports of compounds that were developed by medical science scientists to research how the endocannabinoid system works. What would happen if you hit that receptor in the brain that, that THC does with a stronger uh, effect? You know, th This is all legitimate medical research, but when this information got published in the scientific literature, people went and copied it and, and started making these super potent compounds that turns out uh, very damaging, particularly if they're inhaled. And it seems Absolutely. that this is one element of the, of the, of the vaping crisis. But it's, prob it's a Wild West situation. It's very complicated because there's many factors feeding into that. But I think that it, and it underscores the, uh, the problems with regulation because, and it goes beyond the cannabis industry per se, uh, per se because you, you've got uh, these vaping devices that are very addictive for nicotine that also fill with the same artificial flavoring agents that are in cannabis now in the underground market. Uh, Absolutely, and where I think there has to be with, focused uh, across the board. It has to be focused, and with vaping really only coming under the FDA purview in 2015, it's natural that this is evolving, but it has to evolve a lot more rapidly in terms of the oversight to protect to protect patients, users, you know, consumers uh, across the country. We wouldn't allow um, you know this sort of thing to occur in other areas, and this is where a uh, legalization and a standardization helps tremendously. Now, Martin, this report you've got coming out, um, would you share with listeners where they're going to be able to find it in the URL that they should visit? Uh, this will be on the Project CBD website, and that's projectcbd.org. The report is not up yet. We're, we're still uh, finishing it, but it should be, I would say, within the next 10 days, we'll, we'll put this information out about the, the synthetic cannabinoids and the research we've done in terms of how it relates to the vaping situation. Not the only factor, but I do think it's definitely a factor in what we're seeing. So projectcbd.org uh, is where to go. So fantastic. So I'd invite all the listeners to um, visit projectcbd.org after November 1st and to download the report and read it. It's going to be filled, as all of Martin's reports uh, are filled with tremendous insights, uh, information and direction about uh, what's safe, and what's coming. And uh, Martin, this has been a fantastic uh, discussion. And thank you very much for joining. And once again, please visit uh, to any of our listeners. Thank you for joining us today. And please visit Project CBD for uh, more information on Martin and everything that uh, he's contributed to the industry. Thank you, Martin. Thank you very much, Richard. I appreciate it.
The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited. Hear that? Is that America cheering or a sausage patty sizzling to perfection? It's time to cheer for Egg McMuffin and fresh cracked eggs at McDonald's. It's time to wake up to the aroma of freshly baked biscuits and treat yourself to a real honest-to-goodness morning meal. Breakfast, it's on at McDonald's. Now enjoy a large iced coffee for just 2 bucks and a breakfast sandwich to make a meal. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Hear that? Is that America cheering or a sausage patty? sizzling to perfection. It's time to cheer for Egg McMuffin and fresh cracked eggs at McDonald's. It's time to wake up to the aroma of freshly baked biscuits and treat yourself to a real honest-to-goodness morning meal. Breakfast, it's on at McDonald's. Now enjoy a large iced coffee for just two bucks and a breakfast sandwich to make a meal. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. 